we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. Good morning to you. Man, we've had so much joy already uh, with these kiddos that have been on stage with us and kids' time. It's always such, really, I mean this, always such a, a joy for me to uh, be with them uh, on stage and talk about the Lord and His Son uh, with them. It is definitely a privilege. Um, if you are a guest with us, if you're new with us, I hope you sense that kind of joy, not just for me, but everyone who's gathered in this space. When Jesus was teaching his disciples, he said, I have said all these things to you so that my joy may be made full in you. God longs for us to know his joy. We can only find it in him. And so hopefully as a new person walking through these doors, you got a little bit of sense of that. We would love to know that you were here with us. If you could let us know by going to fbcsa.org slash connect, the easiest way to do that. And I even give you permission to do that right now. You can get on a device and do that right now. We would love to make contact with you at a later time. Um, we are in the book of Judges. We are nearing the end of Gideon's story, at least the part we are most familiar with. So we are in Judges chapter 7 in verses 9 through 22. We're going to focus on verses 9 through 15 uh, this morning. But would you stand with me and we're going to read together verses 9 through 11. All right, here we go. That night the Lord said, get up, go down into the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the cat camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you'll be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. You may be seated. It's really a phenomenal story that God puts together and orchestrates another moment where he can help Gideon's faith so that he can take action. And God says, I want you to go down to the camp, and in the valley is this horde of Midianites, more than they can count. And remember, Gideon's army is small. God whittled it down from 32,000 to 300. And God says, I want you to go with your servant under the cover of night, just creep up next to that valley overlooking the Midianite camp, and I want you to listen. And you're going to listen and be encouraged, and then you'll be eager to fight. Well, Gideon and Pura go down to the camp. They happen upon the right tent 
the right person, and they overhear this soldier, this Midianite soldier, retelling a dream that this large loaf of barley came tumbling down the valley and completely uh, flattened a tent. And there just so happened to be an interpreter. And an interpreter said, I know exactly what that means, that the Lord and the sword of Gideon will defeat the Midianites. We're in trouble. And it was that moment that God nudged and encouraged Gideon's faith, gave him that gift of faith for him to actually go and do what God had called him to do. What a wonderful, wonderful picture of God's desire for us. Jesus tells a really simple story in the New Testament um, that really captures, I think, the heart of God as he has been relating to Gideon over the course of these days, these verses for us. And Jesus tells a simple story about what it's like to pray. This is in Matthew 7, 9 through 10. You might remember this. He says, uh, when your son or daughter asks you for a loaf of bread, would you give them a stone? When your son asks you um, for something else, would you give them a snake? And uh, Jesus says, of course you wouldn't. Uh, parents don't give bad things to their kids. And he says in the same way, if you're broken and sinful, but how much more would our heavenly father desire to give good things to his children? And so one of the qualities that I see in this little story about the nature of God, what he is like, is that Jesus is reminding us or teaching us some for the first time that God is like a father. In fact, he is our heavenly father. And as a father does, a father has desires for his children. Uh, he, in fact, longs for his children to know goodness and to know abundance and, and to know success in life, in faith. God desires good things for his children. I mean, I have, I'm a, a dad to three wonderful daughters, and all of you who have children know what this feeling is like. We can resonate with this, because with every ounce of my being, I long for my daughters to thrive in every way in life, right? I, I want them to have great faith in God. I want them to, to live for Jesus and listen to his voice. I want them to know his goodness, I want good things to happen for my kids. I want them to know all of God's abundance in their life, even in the face of a very challenging life in a very broken world. I want to, them to know his joy because I'm their dad. I'm their dad. And so if we are sinful and broken people, sinful and broken moms and dads, and yet can desire the best things for our children, how much more does God, right? How much more does God as a father long for that kind of goodness in your life, to know him and all of who he is? The truth is, though, we live in a world um, that really doesn't want any part of that right? Uh, we live in a world that's not interested in what God would want for them, 
but a world that is very convinced that I know what I want and what I feel and what I desire is what is good and what is best, right? Uh, even in the church, we can struggle with this too. Sometimes we see, uh, we, we see God as this distant authoritarian who's God over all the universe but somehow wants to take from us and make life miserable. But we don't see that kind of God in the Old Testament or New Testament, especially when Jesus begins to talk about God as our Heavenly Father. And yet sometimes, you know, um, in that little story that I shared from the beginning, sometimes if we were to ask for a snake of the Lord, sometimes he'll give us a snake. Right? Um, uh, the point of that little story when Jesus told it was, I want you to know that you can ask of your heavenly father and he's going to give you good things. But the truth is, sometimes we as a people can insist on snakes and God will say, finally, okay, I'll give you snakes. The prodigal son is a great example. The prodigal son said over and over again, let me leave. Give me your inheritance, let me leave and let me do this on my own. Sometimes God will give us snakes. But the reality is we do have a heavenly father that desires for us to know his good. So here's my question from us, for us from the very beginning is, when was the last time you asked God what he wanted in your life? When was the last time you asked the Lord, Lord, what do you desire of me? I know you want goodness and beauty and truth in my life. What do you want from me? And so I just want to identify in this story with Gideon two things that God wanted and desired for Gideon to know and experience. And this is not going to be new for us. So that's the question we're going to answer. What did God want for Gideon and the Israelites? And so the first thing that we know that God wanted, we know that God wanted Gideon to move from fear to faith. So how do we know that? If we jump back to verses 9 and 10, it says, That night the Lord said, Get up, go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. This is not new. He's already told them him this. Verse 10, But if you are afraid. So now we see the heart of the father at work. He knows Gideon. He knows his weakness. And he says, Gideon, but if you are afraid. Now, do y'all think there was any question that Gideon was afraid? There was no question that he was afraid. There was 301 men against a horde. And Gideon was not certain as to how God was going to pull this off. Not to mention his 300 men saw 22, more than 22,000 people go home and leave them to take care of the Midianite army. Of course, they were afraid. They knew what God had said, that I'm going to hand the Midianites over to you, as if you were fighting one man. They're terrified, but God as a father knows the heart of Gideon and says, but if you're afraid, Gideon, let me encourage you to the fight one more time. Uh, Let me help you move from fear to faith. I love that. That's what God desired for Gideon. This is not new. We've seen this over and over again. I've told you in the past two weeks that God doesn't want to 
hurt us or harm us. No, he wants to nudge us along. He's not, he's not against us. He's for us. And he's for Gideon here, that he would move from fear to faith. It kind of reminds us of that story with Peter uh, when Jesus was walking on the water. And the disciples see it, are terrified, think they're seeing a ghost. They realize it's Jesus. And Peter has the gumption to ask, Tell me to walk there to you over the water. Man, what incredible faith, right? And so Jesus says, come to me. And, G- and Peter takes those steps and he's walking on water. Then he gets distracted and looks at the waves. And he begins to sink. And Jesus right there grabs his hand. Remember that? And he says, oh, Peter, why are you doubting me? Jesus longs for our fear to move to faith. Uh, Jesus longed for Peter to be reminded that I want you to set your eyes on me. I I want you to know you can trust me. Even when you're falling in the midst of your fear and doubt, I'm going to pull you right back up. But God's heart for you as your heavenly father, as our heavenly father is the church, is, is to move us from fear to faith. That's what he longs for us. If we go to the end of the, uh, the Gospel of John, where John is telling us why he and the other disciples who had written Gospels had written these words down. Uh, the verses tell us in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, that you know, um, there are a whole bunch of things that the disciples saw and heard that if they were to write them down would fill multiple volumes of books. There wouldn't be enough. But listen to this in, these, in verse 31. But these are written so that, you may, so that you may continue to believe or have faith that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him or having faith in him, you will have life by the power of his name. God has even gone to such extraordinary lengths, not only to send the word, his son, in real time, in real history, to, be, to bear the image of the invisible God, the God you can touch and see and, and hear words out of his mouth. Not only did he send us the son, but he also, the word, he also sent us his word. And John says, I want you to know that that we put these words together on these pages so that you would have faith, uh, that you would move past fear and into faith, uh, trusting in who Christ is and what he's done and who he's called us to be and how to live in this life until he returns. God wanted Gideon to move from fear to faith. The truth is, just like Gideon, Gideon knew exactly what God wanted him to do. The truth is, just like Gideon, we know most often what God wants us to do, right? Uh, we know that God wants us to love our enemies. Uh, we know God wants us to forgive our spouses. Uh, we know that God wants us to serve and bless people around us. We, we know that God wants us to be attentive to what he's saying and doing. Uh, we know that God wants us to, to live on purpose uh, for his kingdom. Uh, we know that, 
God wants us to bear witness to who he is and what he's done with our neighbors. There's usually no question as to what God wants us to do and the kind of people he wants us to be. The question is, do we have, has our faith moved past our fear and anxiety in order to embody those things? Do we have faith to believe what God is saying and calling us to do is indeed his word and that he will be with us in the doing of them? We know what God wants us to do. We know the kind of people God wants us to be. And yet God says, I want you to move past your fear into faith and actually believe it. Believe it. Christian, what fear trumps your faith right now in your life? What fear trumps your faith? Just hold on to that for a minute. The other thing that God wants for Gideon and desires for Gideon as his heavenly father is that he He wants his faith to take action. I mean, that's the point, right? The whole point of faith is for us to move, for Gideon to move. Faith is not just believing about God or that even God is or that his son is and that his son redeems. But believing also is is taking steps in that faith faith, the things we say we believe to be true. Believing is knowing that his way is good and true and purposeful and eternal, and then taking that kind of action that puts that faith to work by the Spirit of God in our life. And that's the whole point. You know, uh, God begins that, that conversation with Gideon with go. Go, go to battle right now, go to battle. Now's the time, but then he says, but if you're still afraid. The whole point of moving his fear to faith is so that he could do what God called him to do at the beginning of that verse, which is to go. Go, be the warrior that I've called you to be because I'm gonna be with you the whole way. In fact, it's gonna be my work that is going to accomplish the task. Now, go. You recall the brother of Jesus, James, wrote this in James chapter two, verse 17, maybe the most well-known verse in that little book. He said, so you see, by faith itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. That's, that's Jesus' brother saying that if you don't have that kind of faith that takes action, that takes steps, then it's likely that your faith isn't alive at all. It's dead faith. The point of faith has always been action. The two are inseparable. When you see authentic faith in God, you always see action. Always. You've had this experience. Um, Just last week, uh, Anna showed our whole family a little video of Darren walking for the very first time. Right, y'all, you all have video. If you're a family with kids, you have this video. You probably watched it last week too. 
right? And it's just a beautiful, it's just fun to watch. And the whole, all, all my other, my two other girls are there in the video and they're obviously a little older and we're all like clapping for her and, and she's, we're just encouraging her because at the beginning of the video, she's just kind of sitting, but we're calling her to action. We're like, take steps, come on, take steps. Come on, walk, Darren, you can walk, Darren, you can do it, you can do it. And so she's slowly beginning to rock herself. Y'all know what's going on. She's slowly rocking herself and she'll get up and move a little bit and then fall again right? Get up, move a little bit, and fall again until she finally takes enough steps to reach Emma and Addison, and then everyone just kind of hoops and hollers, right? Yay! At what point did faith take shape in little Darren? It's hard to tell, isn't it? It's hard to tell. Well, it must have started here. This was faith, and this was action. No, because they become one in the same, right? That, that idea that began to form in her mind, that as she watched her mom and dad and siblings walk, and as she heard the words, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. The moment that formed, she began to put forth energy. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Faith became action to such a degree that you can't tell the difference between the two because you're not supposed to. Faith and action are one and the same, so much so the brother of Jesus says faith doesn't even, faith's not faith unless it's taking steps. It's not faith unless it's taking steps. It's the whole point. It was the whole point in God's conversation with Gideon. I, I, I want to move you past fear into faith, and that faith, by the very nature of what it is, is going to take Action. God says, I'm confident that once you are encouraged in your faith, you will be eager to take action. Because that's the nature of faith. And what God longs for us is the same thing that he longed and wants and desired in Gideon. That's what our Heavenly Father desires. Again, let me ask you the question. When has the last time that you stopped and asked God where you are in your life right now? Lord, what do you want from me? Where is my faith immobilized by fear? Where must my faith take action? When's the last time that you stopped and considered what your heavenly Father wants for you? Rather than insisting that how I feel and what I want must be what God wants. Oftentimes we don't even say that. We just, God's not even in the picture in our thinking. We just do what we want to do because that's how we feel in the moment. But will you pause with me, church, Christian? And ask, Lord, what would you have for my life? Is, is there a fear or an anxiety or a roadblock that's keeping me from taking steps of faith and action? What's keeping me from extending forgiveness? Uh, what's keeping me from being a testimony to your work in my life, testifying to Jesus? What's, what's, te- what's keeping me from loving my colleagues at work? Will you pause and ask the Lord what he wants for you in your life? 
I think we only have to look and seek him. Word of God seeks, says, seek him while he may be found. Your God is not some distant authoritarian, but he's always there. He's in the messiness of our life and even the messiness of our faith. And will we pause long enough to seek him and ask him and move in faith? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word to us. Thank you for Gideon's life and how you nurtured his faith into action. Lord, we know that's what you long for us to. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.